to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast that's been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, I want to say thank you. Thanks for tuning in and welcome aboard. My name is Paul Joy and it is my privilege to sit down every episode with another Yog, a Yarra old grammarian, to see how they have been inspired by Yarra and the twists and turns of life, both at school and then in the uh, decisions and choices and options that they've made since leaving Yarra. Today, we get to sit down with Pam Burnett from the class of 1987. And she started in interesting circumstances, quite quite unlike the way our school is right now. Back in 1987, there were limited year levels when the girls were part of our school community. And, uh, and Pam had some fun in and around those times as well. We're going to begin today our conversation by asking Pam, when did you start at Yarra? Hi, well, thank you very much for having me, Paul. Uh, I started at Yarra in 1986. So back then, girls were only allowed at Yarra at year 11. So um, I'd had four years at a high school, a local high school, and um, then made the change. The parents decided it was time for me to go and pursue a private school education. Uh, So I had the last two years at Yarra. So for me, it was a huge change. Um, Moving from a small high school that didn't have a lot of facilities and walking through the gates of Yarra was quite quite something and also to be I think we were one of 45 girls and there were 150 boys there so that was also quite (laughs) confronting too. And 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 when you say that are you talking about across year 11 and 12? No just just year 11. Just in your year okay wow so so in some senses you would say while you are um lower in number the odds are in your favor of uh, of interactions and uh, connections with people well it was quite interesting because i'd come from a co-ed school so i was used to having boys in my classes you know all the time and some of my best friends were boys but then i went to a situation where the boys had never had girls in the class and a lot of the girls that had come there had come from a girls school so they almost didn't know how to interact with each other. It was really fascinating that, yeah. um, you know, I was like, oh, they're just boys. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And also um, I think, you know, at that age the boys were were still very immature compared to the girls. So mm. it was quite an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and, and look, I think that's that's a real thing. Um, you know, it's well well known and well documented and, and it's still true today, I think, that uh, that our girls seem to mature and, uh, and and sort of be ready for those interactions long before the boys are. The boys think they're ready, but uh, it, sometimes it takes a little longer for um, maybe for the head to catch up with where the body thinks it is. Yeah, but it was really good. The boys um, nominated or volunteered to do tours of the school on the first day. So each boy ended up with two girls that he toured around the school and the girl that um, I was partnered with is still my best friend to date. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that was the first day at Yarra. So there's a very initial bonding moments, at, uh, I guess because you vote both eyes wide open, just kind of explore, experiencing the same thing at the same time together and, uh, and there's a special connection there for sure. Yep. That's great. Um, 
So you, you've arrived at year 11. One thing that uh, I guess would have changed for you, perhaps from your local high school that you had been attending up till then, was Saturday sport. What are your memories of Saturday sport? Was that a, a great thing that you look forward to getting up on a Saturday morning or was it something that was a bit of a bit of a drag? Uh, we didn't, it wasn't compulsory in year 11 when um, we came. We still did a lot of sport, but I can't remember it being compulsory. I guess for me, I'd been... I'd been in the top tennis team at the high school, thought I was pretty good. Um, and then I went to Yarra Valley and I didn't even make the first. I don't even know if I made oh. the seconds. And it was a real, right. yeah, it was a real um, bruised the ego, I guess, yes. <laughs> um, after coming there. So for me, I think um, I probably was a bit daunted by the sports department at Yarra. Okay. You know, there was everyone trying out for state teams and all of this. So that to me was just a, a whole different aspect. So, yeah. um, but for me, what was amazing was the different opportunities. So I think straight away they offered a surf camp and mm. then they offered a snow camp and they offered skiing. And these were things I'd never been exposed to before. So I think I was a bit like, you know, one of those people going on a holiday, taking all the optional extra activities. So, you know, I just signed up for everything I could and, uh, you know, got interested in skiing, got interested in um, surfing, being away with everyone, going on all these camps. It was just, yeah, it was amazing. That's great. And and there's something, I guess, built in you that that while you took a bit of a – maybe a dint in your ego, you know, you've, you've been a certain level of tennis uh, prowess and then you go and, and you know, you're, you're a, effectively a, a, a big fish in a small pond. You come to a place like Yarra, all of a sudden there's people who are better than you and, and you found that out fairly quickly. But I love it that you you didn't just kind of pack up your bags and, and go home and or, or take your bat and ball and, and run away. You, in fact, said, okay, well, what else could I do? And and maybe then, you you know, you really opened up to the other possibilities and opportunities. So ski camp, snow camp, those sorts of things, that's a fantastic way to go out and experience other parts of life. Do you, do you still play some of those things now or have you, you know, did that foster something? I haven't skied lately but uh, <laughs> still ski now and, uh, yeah, still love the beach. So both those things were great. And I think it was also, uh, I think we were the first year that did the Rock of Steadford. Ah, yes, okay. That was pretty uh, amazing. That was a huge weekend commitment and the teachers put in so much as well, but that was a really good way of um, developing really um, good friendships and a really close group that got us probably ready for Year 12. What are your memories of Rocker Sedford? Were you like one of the ones out the front? Were you a singer, a dancer? Were you on roller skates or were you a, were you a tree? <laughs> I think they were really good. I think we were all, I mean, this could be my, you know, 35 years lens, but I think we were all given an equal part in it. So, um, and I, look, you couldn't do what we did now. Um, we did the song Free Nelson Mandela. So half the cast were white and half the cast were black. <laughs> so uh, that probably wouldn't go down, even though the photos were quite amazing. And um, the whole thing was a whole choreographed singing and dancing. And, yeah, the memory, I, I think there was probably someone who could, you know, do the splits and someone else could do a backflip. But um, they were really good in making everyone go to the front and go to the back. So I don't think anyone really felt there was a star. And we yeah, came second great. and we were so ripped off. But, yeah, I can remember <laughs> that. <laughs> Not bitter and twisted at all, but the judges got it wrong. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so tell me then, let's go back into the classroom, um, year 11, year 12. Do you, do you recall academically 
um, were there st- were you starting to kind of head down a particular path? Was there a, a particular field that you, you know? Was it maths and sciences? Was it you know languages or humanities or drama or you know where did you think academically you like to spend some time? So it was interesting. I'd never thought about going to university until I went to Yarra. And then in year 11, when I was picking my subjects, they said, what course are you going to go to? and What are you going to do? I was like, I've never even thought of this. And the reason that uh, my parents decided on Yarra and that I was happy to go to Yarra was they had such a strong art program. Um, They'd started the fine arts program and were really well known for that program. And uh, as I said, the facilities of the art and graphics room in those days were unlike anything I'd seen before. So... Uh, at my previous school, they had not offered those options and they'd said that I was very strong at business. Um, but, you know, I didn't know whether business was a thing for me in year 11. So um, the deal was that I did accounting and economics and then I did art and graphics. So I kind of hedged my bets. And, um, yeah, the my memories, when I think of year 12, I think of being in the art and graphics room and the support that the teachers gave us and it was just, yeah, it really was um, amazing. And then probably in year 12, uh, when we finally had to decide what we were going to do for school, my graphics teacher, who I remember very fondly, Laurie Hamilton, um, sat down with me and said, what are you going to do next year? And I said, I'm going to be a graphic designer. I'm going to go to Swinburne and RMIT. And he said, Pam, I'm really sorry. You're a terrible technical drawer. He said, your ideas are fabulous and you get amazing marks because the ideas are great, but your technical drawing is not great. He said, go into marketing because the marketers are the ones that tell the designers what to do. And I'd never heard of marketing. And so I went off to the careers department and we talked about it. And uh, yeah, now I'm a CMO and went and did a marketing degree and yeah, really found my niche. So that was probably the best career advice you could ever get. Isn't that fantastic? I, I love, you know, there's so many parts of that that I love and, and I, I must admit there were certain pathways I thought that you you were heading but uh, but as it turns out it, it, it was different. You know, having art and business, I thought, you know, a young entrepreneur, you, you're managing both and you're a great artist and you've got a thriving business in art as well. But um, as they do, senior teachers, and, and look, I'm biased, all teachers, care about their students and want the best for them and uh, and I think art and graphics and design and, and that sort of classroom experience is, is underestimated in the amount of time that it really does take to put your folio together. You know, some students kind of look at it and go, oh, you know, th- how hard can it be? But the hours and hours that our art students have to put into to their work is enormous. Then you have a, a, a teacher who's honest and, uh, and, and able to, you know, I guess, guide you down a different pathway. And uh, and as you say, that's turned into something that continues to be, um, I guess, your livelihood today, which is outstanding. And I think that was one thing, the teachers, there was two graphic teachers, and I think everyone would remember them. And they set up such an amazing environment in the arts faculty. And, you know, I think of their time, they mustn't have gone home most nights. They kept that studio open till nine o'clock. They kept it open on weekends. They ordered pizza for us. You know, they really committed. And, yeah. um, and and they created an environment that if you're having a bad day or anything, you always knew at lunchtime or after school, you could just go and sit in the, the graphics room and do your folio. So, yeah, yes. I, I look back and I think the hours that they worked was just amazing. 
Yes. So now, is that right? Your role really does reflect what uh, what what your teachers were saying. You have the ideas, but you then get to communicate them with somebody else who who can actually draw and is able to then put it into 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 reality. Well, I now have a graphics team working for me. So I have wow. um, previously, I now work for a social enterprise, but previously I worked with FMCG companies. So uh-huh. part of my job was briefing design agencies, briefing ad agencies. So I've always been involved with some type of design and now they laugh at me and call me a frustrated designer. But um, yeah, so. Which kind of you are. Yeah, always. Yeah. And it's always been about the idea, you know, bringing something to life. And yes. so I guess now it's just what tools, you know, a bit like the podcast, it's what tool you use now to communicate the message. Sure, sure. So is there something that that in your working life that you're particularly, pre- like, and and forgive me, but as far as a marketing campaign goes, maybe for a company that that you you see some of the the work or you did see some of the work and maybe it, it, it was popular maybe it, it it was really effective a company or a, 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 a marketing campaign that we would recognize that you've actually got your fingerprints on so I guess um, I started um, out of university I worked at IBM for a while I did a cooperative year there and um, then I went and worked in FMCG which is a big food manufacturers so I've been fortunate enough to work with Cadbury Schweppes um, Heinz, Murray Goulburn, Treasury Wine, so some of the big ones in Melbourne. Uh, so I've worked on some amazing brands, um, Cotty's Cordial, um, Solo, The Solo Man, um, Heinz Soup, Heinz Big Red, so some really ama- Yellow Glen Champagne or Bubbles, Sparkling. Yeah. So um, some of the big campaigns. So I've been really fortunate that I've had a career that I've managed to work with some of the biggest brands in Australia. So you mentioned solo and you've got to work it hard to be a solo man. I, I remember that. I've got the tune. Tell me what hard work looks like. It, you know, I guess for those who are listening, who are maybe considering a, a, a pathway into marketing, what's a, what's a, what's a satisfying uh, hard day of work for you in, in the marketing world? Well, I guess that's it. We all talk about the campaigns. You know, I, I say, um, you know, the solo man ad or a new product that I launched, but more and more marketing is about really trying to understand the customer and trying to understand what they want. And more and more, that's now about data. So when people talk to me about, you know, going and doing a marketing degree and going into business, uh, it's great to have the big ideas, but these days you need to have a lot of data and understand the data. And I guess that's where marketing's really changed. 20 years ago, I could put a billboard on Punt Road and no one had any idea if it worked or not. Now we put an ad on, we put an ad on, you know, a website or a web store and we can see the click-throughs, we can see the traffic, we can see, we can measure everything, we can measure, you know, what you watch in the morning and (laughs) what you're looking at till night time. So it really is now, I would say to anyone that it's important to have a good financial understanding to understand the finances and also understand the data and um, the fun bit I still like you know the creative part of it but you need everything behind it to bring together those ideas. Yes so so when you say data and, and you're quite right I think data is is you know data is the new buzz you know it's all about the data what sort of data are you looking at like is it demographics is it is it gender is it like or is it Everything. What clicks through. <laughs> so it's everything. Everything. Right. Everything. So um, looking through at, you know, your where you are in the behaviour, what you're purchasing. 
I guess more and more we're wanting personalised experiences. So, you know, it used to be called mass marketing. You marketed to everyone. Now it's very much more personal of, you know, what suits you, what suits your stage of lifestyle, what what you're looking for, how you use media. Are you on your phone? Are you, you know, the days of waking up and getting the newspaper delivered? Uh, not many people are doing that anymore. So um, do you listen to a podcast on your way to work? Is that how you get your news or what's going on. So it's really looking at how the individual um, engages with media and um, what they actually value. Mm, wow. Okay. So you, you really do, and not just you, but lots of other people know lots about me, for example, way more than what I think. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. And is that a bit scary? Yeah, hence why you've probably had conversations with a friend and you've mentioned, oh, I wouldn't mind going to Port Douglas and then surprise, surprise, you open your Facebook or Instagram or something and there's an ad telling you that there's a deal on at the moment. So Yeah, yes. Yeah, so... um, It is a bit creepy. Yeah, (laughs) it is. (laughs) Right. Okay, so let's uh, let's get away from the creepy and let's go back to school for a moment. Um, tell me where where on the property from your memory. I know I appreciate it's a long time ago, but where would we find you? You know, if at any time during your couple of years, was there a, a favourite place where you used to hang out? Where, where would you, if we were looking for Pam at lunchtime, where would we go? And I guess you know it probably goes back to probably at the art department, probably in the yeah, art and graphics course. department, um, but also because I was in that there were so many new opportunities. If there had been, you know, a debate, if there had been a meeting, if there had been a careers expo, uh, I felt like there was always something on. So there was always a camp you could put your hand up for or the Estedford or something, you know, a chorus or a singing or a presentation night or there was always something going on. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about the school. That, And that's why I probably ended up with um, friends in all different groups because... You know, at one moment you could be hanging with the people you went to the beach with or the next time you could be with the people you were debating with. Yes. So so really it gave you opportunity to try lots of things and as a result you meet people with a whole range of different interests and passions. And if in, in your scenario you could you could roll from one idea to the next and you could kind of interact with all of those people. And I think it's also, you know, the subjects I had so, you know, when I was only one of two girls in economics, so um, that's where, you know, the number ratio <laughs> was a bit different. And most of the, the boys that I was with, they were really smart. You know, they were the boys that went off and did Melbourne Commerce. They're probably the ones you've spoken to now that are CEOs and lawyers. And um, getting exposed to that group and then, you know, going and spending time with some of the people that were really creative and really artistic and was was really good. But I think it was also... You know, um, people talk about single-sex schools and going to, you know, I've had two daughters and I was told that, you know, there's some study that if you put girls in a co-ed school, they don't thrive because they sit back and, you know, they let the boys, which I think's ridiculous. And, um, you know, Yarra Valley was, there was two of us in economics and we made sure we competed every for every mark and and strive to be better than the boys. Maybe that's the competitive nature of me. But, yeah. um, you know, when the Year 12 exams were coming, we were we were definitely going to beat them or be as good as them. And, yeah. and that's what the real world's like. You know, most CEOs I've reported to, I'm the only female in the executive or right. in teams. You can't just say that you're competing against women. No. So that experience you had at, at being 
you know, effectively from a gender perspective, at least in the minority, that has served you well because that in whether it's right or wrong, it's still the case in many of your, you know, your business pursuits and, and the experiences that you have, you're often outnumbered as far as gender goes at least. Definitely. And, you know, I've never been one to not share my opinion or <laughs> whatever. Yes. And I think, you know, school's a good place for that because that's where you start to, to learn it and you realise you don't all think the same or feel the same, but, um, you know, you can all get your own opinion across. Absolutely. And, and, and admittedly, it was only two years at Yarra, but but schools and a school like Yarra does have a strong influence on on character and and perhaps our outlook. I wonder if you could describe your bigger picture of life now, you, you, how the experience of Yarra helped maybe to open up your eyes or, or maybe to niche down on something. But how, how do you think your time at Yarra influenced your values and what's important to you? Well, I think it actually opened my eyes to all the opportunities, as I said to you. Um, I hadn't thought about going to university. I'd never thought about doing marketing. I'd never considered going skiing. So it really opened up to me. And I think I'm probably like that now is I now take every opportunity. And what I say to people is don't ever get a degree and then think that you're going to stop learning. Keep signing up for every class. Keep going to every industry event, workshop everything you can to keep learning. And I think that was really embedded. That was part of Yarra's philosophy to keep to keep looking, to keep questioning, to keep trying new things. So I think that was a really good learning for us all. And um, also I think it's a school that you were really proud of attending. And uh, it's interesting, as I said, you could be at a breakfast, you could be at a presentation and someone will say, oh, such and such said you went to Yarra. And someone will come and they might have been in our year or they might have been 10 years younger and you straight away have that common, you know, and you don't hear, I I've rarely hear anyone speak badly of Yarra Valley, whereas, you know, some yeah. of the other schools <laughs> you hear. There's diff- a different reputation. Yeah, that's right. So um, yeah. I, I think it's a school that I think it was really good for, for me. I think most of us that went there got a really broad education. I don't feel like we were pigeonholed. I don't feel like they were trying to get us all to come out being doctors or lawyers. It was really find what you're passionate about, follow that and take every opportunity. And I think for most of us that served us really well. And we, you know, we mightn't have ended up on the course we started with, but um, everyone I look at has ended up in a pretty good place. <laughs> mm, yes. And and to that point of of making the most of the opportunities, I, I our year tens are out on work experience actually this week when we're recording this, and and I was chatting with a few of them late last week, and and I said to them my advice or my suggestion to them was to just say yes to everything, you know, just have a go. If they say, you know, depending on what the field is, but it, you know, if they say, do you want to come and see this? The answer is always yes, and and it, do you want to have a go at this? The answer is yes, and then work it out. I, I think. I think young people just need to keep saying yes to go and explore and, and particularly, you know, what 16, 17-year-olds, you've, you've just got to go and, and, and go in with your eyes open and see what you can discover. And I think people don't know where they're going to end up. You know, I work with some marketers who started as nurses or who started nutritionists or, you know, and they've just gone and done something and then gone, oh, I actually really like this. And alternatively, you know, some marketers have ended up back in the classroom teaching so I, I think it is really just keeping looking and keeping doing what you enjoy and what you're passionate about and also taking some of those crazy suggestions and doing something that you, you maybe don't think that that's where you're going to end up because, yes. you know, you could end up in a completely different location or career. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I love a crazy suggestion. It just helps you think a little bit differently, at least for a moment, and uh, and maybe it's the courageous ones who pursue that a little further. Um, this is not a time for humility, but I want to give you an opportunity for a 30-second brag. What's, what's going really, really well for you right now? What are you really um, proud of that you've been working on uh, maybe recently? So six years ago, I changed from FMCG to work for a social enterprise. A social enterprise means it's a uh, company model where we sell products and with that revenue, we help people with a disability. Um, so we uh, work in the healthcare area and um, our excess and our surplus helps quadriplegic and paraplegic people within the community. And um, the business has gone from strength to strength over the last few years. Our online store has more than doubled in um, COVID times and um, the amount we're just spreading our care business into New South Wales. So it's been a really good growth story and I guess it's something, it, it's interesting because people say, are you a commercial marketer? And that means, you know, do you have your eye on the bottom line? And I've probably thought I wasn't until in this area that we're able to grow the business so much and then give back so much. So it's been really rewarding and wow. um, yeah, it's just a way to give back. Are you able to, and, and you're welcome to if you want, do you, can you give it a plug? Can we, where can we go and support it, help Australia, it find it? So go on to Shop Independence Australia and um, whilst we have products for um, wound continents, we also have general skincare products, sunscreens. Um, our sales went really well through COVID because we have disinfectant and gloves and all the things that everyone needed to buy. Um, but, um, yeah, we deliver to the home and we deliver nationally. So we're doing over, you know, 3,000 orders a day and um, we have over 400,000 customers nationally. So the business has really gone from strength to strength. And are you, are you Melbourne-based or are you kind of got locations all over? Footscray base, but we have a warehouse in every state and we deliver, um, we try to deliver all parcels 48 hours. So because they are health um, products, we try to get to everyone's home as quickly as possible. So, yeah. Goodness so. gracious. That's a lot of lot of products to be moving and shipping every day. What, what's the um, what's the size of your team? Like how how, how many people are involved in this social enterprise? So we have 700, Independence Australia is a team of 700, but that's a lot of um, disability support workers out in the community. Uh, within the marketing team, we've got, um, I would say, 12 to 14 in the marketing team, and then we have a um, digital innovation team because so much of our business now is going online, so um, keeping everything, keeping the shop running and um, getting it into more people's hands. So yeah. Wow, that's extraordinary. That's, that's terrific. I wonder with, you know, you've you've got clearly you've got drive you you from right you know you, the stories you shared from school and you you wanted to compete and you wanted to be your best and you wanted to have a go at all of the different opportunities and things that are going what is it that drives you is there a I don't know is there a quote is there a um is it a philosophy is it what is it that helps you to keep on keeping on and and to be able to look back and go we've grown this social enterprise we're making even more impact that makes me feel good and and as it should and and as it does but where does that drive come from do you think I think um well you know I think you can always say your family your school your peers but I think for me it's just simply be the best you can be and do the most you can do like you know you're a long time dead or you're a long time sleeping um so for me it's no matter what you do and I say this to my girls I don't care what they do for a job 
just be the best you can be in that job. Yeah. And, you know, I'd like to think I'm with that, you know, as a mum, as a friend, as everything, just be the best one. And it might not be your idea of best, but as long as you're happy with the job that you've done, I don't think you can ask for much more. That's great. That's terrific. Um, you talked briefly about uh, social media and how we, we are being watched and so on. Um, what would be two of your most used apps on your phone? Oh, um, well, I'm about to go travelling down the coast of Australia, so um, Instagram's the big one at the moment. And um, But my daughter, who's 18, says that I need lessons in how to take proper photos because apparently I'm not, I'm not good enough on that. Um, so that's probably, probably the main one. And, um, yeah, what would be the one that I look at otherwise than that? Yeah, it's probably pretty much Insta at the moment and I'm on every travel site you can actually think of at the moment. Um What's the one, the free camping one is the one that we're on at the moment, looking for free campsites. Yes, okay. Yes, that's very good. Um, and, and not necessarily that you, well, I try not to make going on social media a habit, but are there habits, are there rituals in your life, maybe a morning routine that help you to be your best? Um, well, I'm, I'm the old-fashioned, you know, put a list together. But I think um, when I talk about opportunities, you need to keep connected. So, you know, some people say I'm not on LinkedIn. Uh, if you're a professional, I think LinkedIn's really important just to see what's going on, to see uh, all the things happening there. Um, also, if there's breakfasts that are relevant to your industry, you know, I meet with a group of CMOs probably monthly and, um, you know, the, what they tell you, what they're reading, what podcasts they're they're looking at, um, you know, keep reading. You know, we've got um, audio books now for people that don't like reading. I still like, you know, I'm on the Kindle. I have so many books backed up on the Kindle that um, I try to do a fiction and then I try to do something work-related so I kind of go from biography to, you know, something fluffy. Um, so I think it's just to keep, to keep your mind active all the time and to keep looking and to keep questioning. Yes, I love that. Um, Pam, we're going to move now into uh, a part of our conversation that I like to call the lightning round, where I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you and uh, it might be short answer response, maybe a sentence to uh, to see if we can wrap it up. But Pam Burnett from the class of 1987, are you uh, ready to strap yourself in? Ready to go. Here we go. Pam, what house were you in while you were at Yarra? The green one. Plumber. <laughs> yes. Well, that I think do? so. Yes. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> Uh, was there a, I, I, I know you said uh, Rocker Steadford, but was there a music or a drama that you were involved in maybe that, that does hold fond memories for you or would you say Rocker Steadford? Oh, definitely Rocker Steadford, yeah. Free Nelson Mandela, you need to see the footage. Okay, well, we'll see if we can look it up and maybe even find a link. Um, how did you travel to school? I walked. Okay, so you were close enough to walk and uh, in your bag you've got a few bits and pieces. What's in your lunchbox? Oh, soggy sandwiches, oh. always soggy sandwiches. Um, Is that because you made them You made them too early or why soggy? Because mum always put tomato in them. Um, okay. And then if I was lucky, the canteen day was once a week. So that was the, yes. that was the you know. But, and our canteens with pie, salt and vinegar chips and I think sunshine pine can of drink. Yeah, okay. So th th they were a go-to. Yeah, really healthy. <laughs> No sushi back then. 
No, no. Okay. Well, let's move forward. And uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm coming over for dinner. What are you going to serve up? What's your go-to? No sunshine pine for me, but what are you going to serve if you uh, have got people coming for dinner? I love my slow cooker, so um, love anything in the slow cooker, but probably at the moment um, a roast lamb would be this time oh, yes, of year and yes. apple crumble for dessert. I love baking. Oh. Golly, golly, golly. Normally at this point I would say I'm take me out of the picture. I don't want to come for dinner, but actually I want to come to dinner. But you also get to invite uh, three other people from any time, any era, any moment in history. Who's going to come along for some lamb roast? Uh, Michael Hutchins, Cleopatra and Nelson Mandela. Wow. Wow, what a combination that would be. That would be uh, some fascinating, and I think each and every one of them would love apple crumble. <laughs> um, what book are you reading at the moment? You, you've mentioned reading and, uh, and, and whether it's hard copy or on your Kindle or maybe audio, but uh, what a couple of books that have really made an impact on you? Oh, so um, I've, just, I've just gone through quite a few autobiographies. So um, Lisa Wilkins' autobiography is quite an interesting one. Um, I'm about to start, um, Lisa Curry, but that looks like it's going to be really sad. So that, that could be a difficult one. I, I've actually, I've just bought uh, Lisa Curry's book for my wife. It, uh, it, it, it does sound sad. I, I think there's going to be some, uh, tragedy and some triumph. Yeah. So, um, so I, I love a good autobiography or a biography. And then, um, the one that I've been told, even though I'm not a royal, but it's called the Palace Papers. Okay. And I've been told that's a must-read. So, so right, to anyone right. who wants, I think it's a bit fictionalised, but uh, it sounds interesting. Okay, okay, that sounds good. Thank you. Um, do you have a favourite piece of clothing in your wardrobe? I think after COVID, I'd have to say tracksuit pants. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <I> mean, no. <laughs> are you working from home or are you working from the office? And so, like, do you still get to wear tracksuit pants to the uh, to your meetings sometimes? So. Um, so we were told at the start of COVID we were going home for two months. So that was April 2020 and we're just yeah. now back in the office two days a week. So uh, the marketing right. team was one that worked remotely and that was probably my biggest challenge, keeping everyone motivated and keeping everyone on track during some of those very dark days when we had a five-kilometre radius that we could leave and it was yeah. raining and dark. So that was probably, you know, keeping the team together in those times was probably the hardest management I've ever had to do of a team. So as a manager, as a leader, you would have some, uh, I guess, a, a role to play in, in what, what does it look like next? What do you think, um, whether it's your office and your workplace or, or maybe more broadly, what, what do you think the future for, let's say, business is going to be like? You, you, you're saying your, your office at least aiming for two days a week. Is that the same two days for everybody? Is there a crossover day? Is it choose your day? What, what's it going to look like, do you think? What's ideal? I think flexibility is something that's used a lot, but everyone has a different idea of what flexibility is. So I spoke to someone the other day and they want to go in the office once a fortnight. Mm. And, um, you know, they're managing teams and some people think they can do that and other people think they can't. So I think it's really interesting. Uh, for me, I personally like the idea of the team coming together one day a week face-to-face. And then within the smaller teams, they could have another day, a day a week. Uh, what we're finding, though, is when you're in the office now, it's back-to-back meetings. So everyone tries to do the face-to-face. Yes, all in one, one day. 
Yeah, so it ends up yeah. that you actually do no work on those days. Yeah. You just go to yeah. meetings. And also the thing that we're finding is people are really exhausted. Oh. They're not used to that social contact. So people are saying, oh, I'm driving home and I've got no words left or oh, mm. I've just been wow. on all day. So um, so it's actually really interesting. And then, you know, we thought that Mondays would be a day we'd all come together and everyone said, no, no, Mondays, we want to be the day we sit at home and go through our emails and get ourselves sorted. So we're okay. all meeting in on a Tuesday or Wednesday. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I think um, people are looking for more from work and I think um, COVID's made everyone reevaluate what's important to them. And uh, for some people it is work. For other people it's a balance. Uh, for some people it's no work at all. So <laughs> I think it's um, finding out what makes them happy and whilst you don't have to make them happy all the time but make them feel valued and rewarded. Yes. There's no doubt that uh, that there's challenge afoot and, you know, we've we've obviously experienced challenge and it's both personally and in business and in education and, in, and across all fields. But there's still change upon us. You know, we, we haven't all kind of settled into what the new version of of not only our working life but our, our family life and social life and, and our physical interactions and, you know, the, the our health and how does that all come back together? And, and I think – I do think we have an opportunity to perhaps be a bit more intentional about it. My fear is that too quickly we're trying to get back to the way things were and make up for lost time. And and I, I'm concerned that that's part of the tired that lots of people feel, certainly in, in our context here. Our, our kids are tired um, and our staff are tired and, you know, it, it's – I think it, we've just gone almost from, from – a, a totally different experience, which was exhausting to get used to that, and we've just gone straight back to full, full, full tilt, and and I think oh, we're going to lose a few people along the way, which is hard. Definitely, and we're in a place where at the moment the workforce has never been harder to attract. Mm. So there's vacancies everywhere, and yes. um, you really have to reward and look, listen to people, or otherwise you're going to lose them. Yes, yes, but but my concern is, where do they go? Like like. You know, the the hospitality industry finding it difficult, the the, the education system finding it difficult, the, the frontline healthcare workers finding it difficult to keep staff. But if staff are leaving, where where are they going? Like they must be going somewhere or are they going to nothing? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. So, you know, we in our industry, so many people are becoming freelancers. So they used to write content or do a podcast or or do something and now they do it from home when they want to do it. You know, one of my close friends, he does a content business and he now, he said, it's great. I can go up to Darwin and work there for a while. (laughs) He can work wherever he wants and he can take on as much work as he wants. Yes. And he actually is in the beauty of saying no to people. I mean, we went to a recruitment company the other day and I've never had a recruitment company say, no, we, we don't want to take the job. We don't have any applicants for the role. Goodness me. Wow. So I guess if, if you do choose to, to, what do you call it, a freelancer, if you choose to kind of set your, yourself up and I guess you actually have to become good at saying no as well, don't you? Because you could very quickly be overwhelmed and say yes to everything, we, a different sort of yes than what we were talking about earlier, um, but you, you take on all this work and all of a sudden you, you can't you can't deliver because, you you know, that and that that's a risk as well, I suppose. Mm, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a lot of changing times. It's changing times indeed, absolutely. Um, 
I know you're about to go on a trip and you're looking forward to exploring the, uh, I, I guess, the east coast of Australia. Prior to that, is there, or in addition to that, is there an, any other destination, a travel destination you have been to that you would highly recommend? Is it, you know, maybe it's an out-of-the-way place and, and it's been secret and, and would you share that secret with other people? I think everyone in Australia should go to the Kimberleys. Mm, okay, yes. Tell us about that. Well, I, I'm, I've travelled quite widely and, you know, Africa to me still probably stands out as, you know, Tanzania and amazing. Um, yeah. But we have something so unspoiled and so amazing in our own backyard and you talk to people and, you know, they've been to Thailand or they've been to Africa or they've been to all these amazing places and they haven't been to WA, well, we weren't allowed to for the last two years, but um, <laughs> they haven't been yeah. to the Kimberleys and it, it is, it's um, truly magnificent. Yes. So go and check out your own backyard first. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, Pam, did you have a nickname when you are at school? No, I think when your name's Pam, it's people <laughs> then, what they tend to do is they um, lengthen it. So, you know, it yes. might have been Pammy or something like that. But, um, yeah, when you're Pam, you don't really get a nickname. It's too short. No, it's, it's already short enough. At, uh, yes, no, that, fair enough. They lengthen it rather than shorten it. <laughs> This might be a tricky com- a tricky question, but this is called the Inspired by Yarra podcast, and I wonder if you reflect back on your time at Yarra, and is there, whether it's a person or an experience, an opportunity, a piece of work, what, what inspired you about your time at Yarra or during your time at Yarra? I'd say the teachers. I've talked a lot about the graphics teachers and how much they put in. Um, you didn't want to disappoint them, but, you know, the English teachers... As I said, I love reading, I liked writing. Um, They really worked hard with you. And I think when people give you that much support, you don't want to let them down. And, um, yeah, I think that was a big – we all felt grateful and thankful for how much they put in. Yeah, that's terrific. That's terrific. Pam Burnett from the class of 1987, you've been really generous with your time and I've really I've, – I've got just a couple more questions to go and, and I thank you for um, helping to explore stories and, uh, and for sharing some of your memories along the way as well. Um, I wonder if you can uh, suggest for us um, the phrase or if I offer you the phrase, Lavavi Oculus. Do you recall what that means? I, isn't that terrible? I don't. But I remember um, we were proud of it and I think it was always, I always thought strive to be better was my. Okay, so the school motto, Lavavi Oculus, means lift up my eyes. And, and it seems to me that, uh, that, that that idea that you took away from that without, you know, and maybe at the time you understood it, um, but that idea of, you know, lifting up your eyes, looking for the opportunities, seeing what's next and, and what's possible and, and working towards that. Yeah, yeah, always striving. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So my final question is, it, it's a two-part question, and that is um, what what question do you really wish I had asked you? And then can you answer that question? Is it worth going to a private school? Uh, I think that's what I get asked a lot with my own children and myself. Hey, Pam. Do you think it's worth going to a private school? And I would say I think education-wise you could go to any school and get a good mark if you're that way inclined, if you're motivated. But if you want people to help you, if you want opportunities, if you want more than just learning English and maths, 
I think a school like Yarra is where you should go. That's a terrific commendation for, as you say, the opportunities and the experiences. And and that's actually full circle way back to where we started our conversation today was around uh, the the expanse of opportunities that you were exposed to just by saying yes. And, and I think you're right. I think a place like Yarra prides itself on being able to be broad, but also able to go deep, as you said, with, you know, for example, in, in graphics, there were some really high level graphics teachers there, and they were able to go deep in, in terms of guidance and, and advice and suggestion and recommendation as well. So broad and deep is, is a good way to be. Pam Burnett from the class of 1987. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing stories, for your generosity and for traveling back all those years ago but you've done a marvellous job. And uh, and for that, we really appreciate you and thank you for your time and not only for sharing how you have been inspired by Yarra, but through your storytelling are an inspiration to Yarra. So we thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the time, Paul. It was great going back. And uh, yeah, I remembered things that I hadn't thought about in a long time. <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, that wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And I hope you found this energising and interesting along the way. Pam, very thoughtful. I, I, I think as our yogs, Yarra Old Grammarians, as, as they've lived more of life, they just have wisdom. They have perspective. They are able to look back not only on their experiences of school and how that has impacted them and helped them and, and nudged them in particular directions, but they then have combined that with living life some years and are able to then see how school has influenced life and life then changes and twists and turns and you have fresh perspective and lots of learning. Thankful to Pam for her time and uh, and a willingness to share stories and experiences and, and wisdom with us today. I hope you too enjoyed this conversation and, and if you think somebody else would benefit, if you think somebody else might uh, might you know, appreciate and enjoy, whether it's from that era, whether it's perhaps somebody involved in marketing or wanting to get into marketing. Uh, if somebody's just interested in a really good conversation, then perhaps you might forward this on, alert them to it, let them know about it. I hope that you have subscribed so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes either. I hope you'll join us next episode when I'll sit down with another yog to see how they too have been inspired by Yarra. I look forward to sharing that conversation when you join us next time. On behalf of everybody here at Yarra, and in particular at the small team who work hard behind the scenes to put these stories together to share them with you, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you get on out there and you make a positive impact in the world around you.